If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Oh, sorry. Yes. I just finished my shot. Awesome. I sipped my shot. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Hey, Courtney. Hi, y'all. You just finished a shot, huh? Well, it was a very, like... We sipped. It was a slow shot. We sipped. It's a sip. We just sipped out of a shot glass. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this is good whiskey. Mm-hmm. So, do we have... <laughs> I, I am telling the story today, and I have an after talk, but I was like, I don't really have any intro stuff that's new since the last time we were here. But we did so much much Did before we? our last time and then this past week we've all just kind of still been oh yeah yeah i mean we're still like we're still in recovery so, a month later <laughs> what do i have let's see i didn't party on actual mardi gras you know we partied oh, before mardi right. gras yes, but i stayed home sick actual on oh. actual mardi gras mm-hmm. and my plan was as usual i was going to somehow celebrate at work we keep mardi gras decorations i always like put where the colors put the beads on about the new earrings i got in the french market when we yes. went I was gonna wear those and I didn't we never got a cake from <gasps> we didn't we this did, year Mike, yes. uh-uh. we didn't but get our cake because we did it's like because we already, know. Yeah, I know. We already done it and so but my plan was to do that and then post on Mardi Gras day some of the pictures that we could share on yeah. social media you know, I also thought about posting our Mardi Gras pictures and I just got so busy I know. on Tuesday that it's just a so before like so I stayed in slept felt like crap just sick on Tuesday and, and some of Wednesday and so I didn't realize till Wednesday morning when people were posting Mardi Gras pictures from the day before I was like well I missed Mardi Gras this year completely <laughs> I slept through Mardi Gras and actually you know what Deborah, my friend Deborah, who she likes very specific things like she gets one thing that she likes and she sticks with it for the most part she loves king cake and mm. actually I was napping and I did remember it was Mardi Gras before the next day she texts did you get a king cake this year oh. <laughs> and I didn't see it for you know till like later and I was like, no, and I didn't even go to work. I'm sick. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Man. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to have to like. On Mardi Gras. I have day. to put stuff on my calendar because apparently that's the only way that I can remember stuff now. So if I need oh, to yeah, buy a king cake or celebrate something, I need to like, <laughs> okay, Patrice, celebrate Mardi Gras and go buy this stuff this day. I'm going to have to start doing that. I know. <laughs> Just organize because I, I cannot remember remember and i'm not going to remember oh it's life and it's <sighs> life and everybody like is stuck in it and Shaw, we already celebrated we are we had celebrated. such a great time we and i, the hell out of this I just wanted season. to share yeah. it because we didn't post very much while we were there except those few pictures True. and i was like we didn't post we well, there private were people oh yeah right we should yeah we keep it all to ourselves all that fun we had mm-hmm. but there were some videos from some parades that that we could have posted That's yeah True. I'm, I'm putting some um i'm still 
uh, updating the show page from the last show oh, where we spent so much time talking about our trip. And right. so I planned to post some of our pictures and videos oh, on good. that. That's good. So I Thank will you. post some on there. It's just no. I was waiting you because just like, you know, of my in, internet in the way, Because we don't have like things. We don't have our uh, calendar and our stories kind of like lined up yeah. for like the dates. and Scheduled out. And, and honestly, I mean, when you listen to a podcast, it's not going to be on the day. Oh, no. Most of the time, you're going to like listen to it a day or so afterwards. Plus, it gives you something to look at during Lent. Right. <laughs> you I can know. think about all the revelry that the happened things. before last oh, Wednesday. Oh, my yes. gosh. Absolutely. Happy or not happy Lent <laughs> That's to right. all of you who the quote unquote celebrate. <laughs> is it just Catholics that do Lent? Or no. Is it no. Uh-uh. I no. think uh, is Episcopalians, you know, Presbyterians. My, my they're like Catholic Light. Yes. Sort of did. Catholic Light. Lent. Oh, really? Not did they do Ash Wednesday or they anything? They did Ash Wednesday, yeah. Interesting. I Ash wonder... Wednesday is a very powerful ritual. Like, Ash Wednesday is, like, one of the kind of coolest ritualistic things that oh. I think... We didn't do it. I grew up Baptist. And no, we didn't I know. Know. I grew up Baptist, too, and we never did Ash Wednesday. The first time I, I saw people walking around with these things on their head, I was like, why is their yeah, head dirty? School, only the What's... Catholics had ashes. We didn't have any Catholics. Yeah, well, I we went to Catholic elementary school, so I knew what it was. Oh, I, I did not. I, well, I was the Protestant in, I didn't tell in the in Catholic college. school, so yeah. I didn't get to participate. But I, you know, I knew like th- that was really kind of a weird but great mm-hmm. bringing up, like being able to go to Catholic school mm-hmm. and seeing like all the ritual and having not feeling beholden to it. <laughs> in, in, absolutely, no guilt, no guilt. Protestant here, and really not even a Protestant. More like no guilt agnostic Mm -hmm. just observing the natives in their natural habitat kind of thing (laughs) and you know with the nuns and then you know the picture of the pope the current pope in the principal's office and just the way that they talked about things and that they did things it was so it was like living on the outside of a cult Mm -hmm. because yeah because yeah because every like wednesday we would have mass at school and the catholics would take the Eucharist and you know and I would sit there and observe and you know Ash Wednesday I knew what you know, people had came to school with smudges on their mm-hmm. head I, I knew what that meant and it's just just weird because but did you have to take the classes like the theology well uh, luckily school? there was no theology that was uh, taught there so it was just I figured it had to be y- you would think mm-hmm. but, um, but Catholic schools have been like very like privileged and non-privileged private schools across the country mm-hmm. for a really right. long time so they're not as I knew that but I just so thought they all had at least you know? one yeah. you know like well, I thought like thing. every semester you okay. had to do one Jesus class but, <laughs> but see that's the thing Catholics don't evangelicalize no they don't does that make sense yeah. so they don't oh, yeah. really want you mm-hmm. they want to be you to be the outsider and that's okay you know as long as you don't like cross lines or anything but it's all about like them and their Catholic club mm-hmm. which was kind of a they're bunch. not trying to convert people they're to not, Catholicism yeah they, yeah they want you to like yeah they'll come over and hang out after they go do their Sunday school or whatever it was it was like the the club for like all the um teenagers that they had that they have to go to and be like hey can you come over and they're like no we got blah 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 we got to do confirmation class no uh, that was younger no I forget what they called it um but it was like you know where all the Catholic kids got together and it was basically a Sunday school kind of group meeting and stuff and then after like they got finished with that then it was being like okay yeah we can go do stuff mm-hmm. I'm 
thankful for kind of that different perspective that I gained yeah. going to Catholic school mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, and, I've been in so many different like types of churches. And, same. Because normally I'll go like I'll be involved. Like I was raised kind of Baptist, mm-hmm. but my grandfather was a Methodist minister. Right. And so my whole extended family was Methodist and mm-hmm. my mom's family was Catholic. Oh, ex- so ex- your ex- father's dad Catholic. was the minister? My father's dad. Oh. Was a was a Methodist. Methodist lay minister, and then they got excommunicated. Literally, my mom's parents got divorced. Oh, gotcha. And that was back when you uh, couldn't get divorced, right? Oh, and but for Methodists, no, no they Catholics. were Catholics. Oh, the Catholics. Oh, so yeah. my my mom grew up Catholic. My dad grew up Methodist, and they basically raised us Baptist because the Baptist Church was the most reasonable church that they could go to on base. Mm. Like whenever you know there mm-hmm. was just lots of Baptist churches yeah. on base. So whenever we would like move around in the military, we would be Baptist, and then we moved to Virginia, and we. We were in a very weirdly liberal Baptist church, but when they weren't part of the Southern Baptist Association, they actually were. Oh shit! Believe it or not, <laughs> it or not the Southern Baptist Convention is is kind of lenient when it comes to what churches are part of it. Like oh, so part pay of their the dues. deal with Southern Baptist Convention is that they have they have authority over themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know there are certain things that you're supposed to do, but they had female ushers and female <gasps> deacons and you know all that kind wow. of stuff. You know, no. and that's you're not supposed to and so nope. but they never got kicked out you know and that was liberal for southern baptist Heck yeah it is so um so i've been in that and then it but it's like you know i was really really involved in high school and i was one of those who went to church multi i mean we had you know sunday mm-hmm. morning sunday school in which we we got to the point where we didn't even hardly do sunday school anymore because we were working so hard doing children's church and children's ministry and choir and it was like 24 7 mm-hmm. we were in in church all day on sunday mm-hmm. we had church on wednesday Wednesday night mm-hmm. and we had church we had bible study thursday night and we always had other stuff on the weekends church and it was is like, such a cult so we were I know, yeah, man. i mean and it's it's funny because i you know you're in it and you never feel like that or anything oh, like yeah. that I and mean, they because were very it's lovely family. yeah that's all cult members say yeah ah. yeah when you're in it you don't feel like it because everybody's family yeah and they treat then, you like family and it's like well, i would i would i get to a you know i go to college read the bible and immediately drop out of everything religious mm-hmm. because i'm like that's not what it said you know it's Right. And then uh, and then it wasn't until after I was married and we moved to Florida when we were like, we feel a void. We're going to go to church. We're going to go to this Methodist church. And I loved the Methodist church. But I don't I like I just can't do it half ass because like it doesn't it's never taught half ass. Really? It's like taught like you give every I mean, the fucking Bible says you give everything. Mm-hmm. That's right. what it's for. You know, I mean, if you just read the Gospels, that's what it's for. You give everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, here I go. You know, I give everything every time. And it's like, and then I get angry and upset and burnt out and I quit. And then I move and then I feel a void and then I go someplace and I throw it all in there and then I get angry and upset and I quit. I thought you quit because I became your close friend. Ah, (laughs) And started going, why do you have to get up so early and go to church every (laughs) Sunday? You say that a lot. (laughs) You were like, why? But you know what? That's always been a question for me too. Because I was like, my mother would be so ashamed of me because. When you're a churchgoer, Sundays are super crap. <laughs> I feel like it's it just is. Like, Sorry to anyone who loves to get up early Sunday. I just. Man. Well, now that I get up, I mean, you get up even earlier than I do. Now that I get up at six every morning to get my kids off to school, I'm like, and then there's always something going on on the weekend, something going on on Saturday, something going on. And and we don't even like, have 
sports kids, I know. really. And Sunday is the day when you could actually, it's a day, it's a day of, rest, of rest, right? Thank yes. you. Like, I used to try to pull people. that on my mom all the time. I'd be like, mom, it's the day of rest. Mm. Jesus said rest on the Sabbath. And you're making She's me like, get up. We, that's not how we he fought meant it. all the way to church. So I have a long history of like, I mean, I went, don't get me wrong. I spent the same time there. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I gave up by junior year of high school. Yeah. Because I was not dedicated to one church. I yeah. went with all my friends to all their churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which so. is a lot of what it is about. It's a social yeah. institution, especially down here, right? Yeah. So. It's a social institution. Yeah, it is. But and don't pretend like it's something it's not to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think right. that's what you really get hit on most of the time. I don't know why I turned this into Sorry, we show. got I'm all sorry. on that. We, we, Let's go yeah, churchy. I'm sorry. But I do want to say this. I did get the opportunity to go to a... just left my brain. Is it a Christian sect? Mm. It's it's the seventh... No. Seventh the Seventh-day Adventist. Adventist. No. The Holy Ruler. Pentecostals. <laughs> no. I'm going to come across the Mormons. The oh, the Mormons. I did mm-hmm. get a chance to go to the Mormon church. The Latter-day Saints. That's the Latter-day Saints. Was it the Latter-day Church Saints? of Jesus Christ of Latter-day, Latter-day Saints. Saints. Yes. <laughs> Which was, you know, I've been Baptist, Southern Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, mm-hmm. Episcopalian, which is what I was baptized as. But, mm. you know, we never did that. That's why you're so liberal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, so I went there and that was the first time, like, I really, truly felt like, okay, this is a cult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they I were bet. like, they were like calling each other brother and mm-hmm. sister. And I'm like, why are y'all calling each other brother and sister? Oh, that happens related? in the Baptist church, too. Say, that's a Baptist thing, too. That's mm-hmm. a Southern Baptist. I was like, what's, what's going on? Why are we calling each other brother and sister? It is certainly different, though. But, yeah, it is. But I know, I, I, I know several, several of my children's friends are LDS and are just the absolute sweetest. Oh my gosh! Most servant-minded, yes. kind people. One that of you my could favorite meet. people on this planet. That's where she grew up, mm-hmm. and you know, and she is crazy, and I love her, and she was one of my bridesmaids. <laughs> but yeah, I, absolutely. But there's some crazy ass stories out of the LDS church there are absolutely and um yeah (laughs) crazy and my story has nothing to do with any of this oh no how do we segue into that something completely different something completely different Well, we can start with the drink because apparently it's related. (gasps) Yes, let's do that. Uh, I see that someone in this room has already finished her drink. (laughs) That would be me. She's got to talk now. She won't have time. She will have time. She might. She needs another one. I do need another one. So um, Patrice texted me yesterday. She was going to Birmingham and said, do you have anything planned for tomorrow? And I said, nope. She said, because I have an idea for a whiskey. I'll bring it. And I was like, sounds great because that's what I wanted. I wanted. Whiskey <laughs> Good. or bourbon, and so this is Uncle Nearest 1856. Yep, I don't know a whole lot about it, but when I walked in and saw it, I was like, Okay, that's expensive stuff, <laughs> and I knew that much. I think it's related to the story, which she did not tell us. However, we made a um, what is this? God, yesterday I, I texted Marley and I was like, What's that drink that's not the old fashioned but it has an orange in it, you know, with with whiskey? It's an old fashioned, it basically, it's an old fashioned, it's an old fashioned. I was it's thinking of Manhattan. 
Manhattans because oh, they're the ones with the yeah. cherries. Cherry. Yeah. 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 I was thinking, of, I was naming Manhattan's old fashions and going, not an old, not, anyway, it's an old fashioned 1856 Uncle Nearest old fashioned with blood orange this mm-hmm. time. So you probably Bloody can't taste it. And maybe if I didn't orange. put it in, but Marleya had blood oranges and I thought that'd be a good addition. And you don't put orange juice in these, but I did just take one orange and squeeze a slice into each, just a little mm-hmm. of the red. And it makes such, it makes yeah. such a difference with the whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that that just adds just the right touch. I love old fashioned. I've had some really sweet old fashions before. I do not like them sweet. Just oh, a tiny hint not. of sugar. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you're making an old fashioned, hopefully you're using a good whiskey or a good bourbon and you don't need. It's just something to sip instead of just having it neat or mm-hmm. on the rocks. Mm-hmm. So, right. cheers. Cheers, y'all. Uncle cheers, Nearest. friends. All right. We're going to pause and get Ooh. to our story. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. It's your turn, though. Crunch, crunch. Oh, I'm never oh, ready. You're always ready. I'm never ready. I don't ever feel ready. Mm-hmm. You have posture syndrome. Mm-hmm. I do. Always. Hold on. I gotta finish chewing this and I'm gonna drink a little. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> Pretzels are hard because they get stuck in your teeth. So it's well, not it's just, just the like, chewing time. Well, it's just like I started eating them and they went like they expanded and then they took all the moisture <laughs> out. And I was like, that was a really bad call. They're pretzel chips, though. They're not supposed Ooh. to do the same as real pretzels. They're supposed to be nicer. God oh. damn it, pretzel chips. God damn it, pretzel chips. Love them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Courtney's like, I don't support this. I love them. They're delicious. They're all in my fucking teeth. I know. See, it's all the teeth. Ooh. That was so bad. Why did I eat that right before it's, I'm supposed to talk? I don't know. I'm just, I a, just yeah. I'm a dumbass. They're right there. I mean, they're right there. Well, How Courtney do you say was no? like making them look so good. I'm just like, crunch, 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 like, crunch, those are crunch. good. How do you Say no to garlic. You know what? Cocoa pours everything. Uh, I found a, a a jar of everything spice. So it's like what they put on everything bagels. Mm-hmm. Courtney puts or Courtney Coco puts it in fucking everything. Uh-huh. Everything has everything spice now. Mm-hmm. Everything has she everything. Wants, she just wants the everything uh, pretzels all the time, everything and she can't have them. Everything. So mm. anyway, onward, onward, upward. Now, Randy. Now you may begin. <laughs> so, oh, so Randy, what? Oh, got it. Sorry. Now. <laughs> so professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. The story starts with a woman from California named Fawn Weaver. Okay. So Weaver grew up like she's y'all's age. She's 40, about 45. She grew up in the 70s and 80s, surrounded by legends in the music industry because her father, Frank Wilson, was an American songwriter, singer, and record producer for Motown Records. Ooh. So she grew up with like all the legends basically oh, yeah. like coming over to her house. And she didn't think of them as like legends. They were just like that old you guy know, who shows up yeah, after nine. Quincy, <laughs> Quincy, like Uncle Quincy or whatever. 
you know. Oh my god. Right? And um so being the daughter of Frank Wilson, if by the time that she was born, there's a really great uh interview with her on NPR. I think it was around 2016 that they interviewed her. She was she was telling a story about, you know, growing up in California and by the time she came around, her dad decided to become a pastor, become a minister. And from so, being a music guy like yes. A, okay. And it was it was such a drastic switch but then it wasn't. She's like, the same people still came around. He just became their minister instead of their music producer. Okay. And, but she's like, but, you know, kind of the switch to, and I guess this kind of goes in with the church stuff that we were talking about. Oh my God. Yeah, there's a through line right there. <laughs> uh, you know, that's all that she ever knew is her dad being a minister, not her dad being the music producer that he was beforehand. And so it was a different environment that she grew up with um, than, you know, of course, if he would have been just the music producer, not Mister. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she left home. She actually left home when she was a minor uh, because of family situations. And she's she's an incredible woman. So she was actually homeless for a while. And she talks about in this interview how being homeless is like one of the best things that mm-hmm. ever happened to her. Because and and I was thinking about this. I was like, what? Well, how could she make a statement like that? Yeah. And it is because uh this house and I forget the the um the charity that she stayed with um basically it's like you know you got to go out and get a job and then you come back and you don't give them the money but you know you build up your money until you can afford to go live you know by yourself mm-hmm. and she's like she thrived in that environment but i think a lot of it had to do also it's like she didn't have to deal with family drama yeah so like all she had to do was focus mm-hmm. on working and mm-hmm. she thrived in it and she became like she has a huge entrepreneurial spirit she's she's such a go-getter and she had her own business by the age of 18 oh wow and uh she met and married this guy named keith weaver who was the executive vice president or maybe still is or of sony pictures oh in 2003 and so her entrepreneurship's uh spirit like you know she did some stuff with restaurants she did real estate she did a bunch of like marketing kind of stuff in 2014 she wrote a bestseller called Happy Wives Club Club <laughs> Club One Woman's Worldwide Search for the Secrets of a Great Marriage because obviously she has a great marriage. This guy is like perfect for mm. her. Vaughn Weaver is actually the first African American woman to head a major spirits brand and oh, also shit. the first American spirits brand with an all female executive team. Oh wow! So in 2019. She uh, was featured. She was the first African American featured on the cover of American Whiskey magazine. <laughs> cool. So, how did she get there from just being like a marketing restaurant, real estate, like having her dipping her toes in all the you know the different things, and definitely a hard worker. So, in 2016, Weaver stumbled across a story while on vacation in Singapore of Nathan Nearest Green, who was rumored to have taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. I knew nearest was familiar. I was like, we learned that on the Jack Daniels tour. Yep, in Lynchburg, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. which is interesting that you say that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So if you don't know anything about this story, and really there's not too much out there, but, you know, the whiskey industry has always been 100% white male dominated. Mm. And when she read this, she's like, 
like, why are more people not talking about this? In fact, around, you know, in 2016, when this article came out, uh, the Jack Daniels Corporation was actually starting to do like a 150 anniversary celebration. And they were going to talk more about this connection. Mm -hmm. But because it was 2016, they were scared that this was too racially charged. What? And so they said, quote, I thought we would be accused of making a big deal about it for commercial gain. Oh, so the better Ooh. the better choice is to just, <laughs> just shove it back under the rug. Okay, and I that's, see. Yeah, and that's in that. Well, that's basically it's there in there. It is yes. museum in their tour though, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'll talk about okay. how they got there. Weaver is like, okay, this is crazy. This is mind blowing. I need to go to Lynchburg, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and learn more of the story. So she goes there and she starts a meeting like with historians and distillers and members of Jack Daniels' family. She learned when she got there that really like the people in the town, it's not a secret. Mm-hmm. Nobody was trying to keep it a secret at all. And that many of nearest descendants actually still worked in the Jack Daniels or for the Jack Daniels company, which was bought and is currently owned by Brown Foreman, which reading all this, there's like four or five major, and I don't know if you, they're distributors, but like major spirit companies, like who mm-hmm. own like all the liquor stuff. Yeah. Oh. So it's really hard to get like an independent, there's no independence. It's like if you're not part of the big five, then you're not getting your stuff out there. Mm. Jack Daniels is owned by Brown Foreman. And I found out that Jim Bean is actually owned by a Japanese company. Really? Yes. That's not surprising. Japanese companies also own a lot of Scotch, uh, Scottish distilleries. Huh. That's right. interesting. They're big whiskey pe- peoples. Hmm. So Weaver's <laughs> research revealed that Nathan Nearest Green was not only incredibly, uh, incredible, talented, like master distiller, but he, you know, he was a friend and the mentor mm-hmm. to Jack yeah. Daniels. Yeah. She found out that Green was responsible for developing the unique charcoal mellowing process mm-hmm. used to make Jack Daniels whiskey and was instrumental for the company's like early history and, and success. And the recipe. Yeah, because that's like the recipe. That's like all they talk about mm-hmm. on that tour is mm-hmm. that charcoal process. When she went there and, um, you know, she went to the library and it was her and her husband. And first of all, her husband didn't want to go there because I never really thought about this. And this is how naive and how just blind I am to kind of the systematic uh, racism that goes on around here. Mm-hmm. They were going to Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought of that before. Tennessee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lynch. so her, her husband. Lynchburg, Virginia, too. That's from California and as a California black man going to the south to a town named Lynchburg is mm-hmm. not like high on this but he went mm-hmm. they met with um, you know the, she started to research she went to the library she started talking and finding people and she kept when they first got there you know he's from Sony she's a writer and they saw like two African American people there and they were very at first kind of like timid because they're like since they they this article about nearest came out uh everybody assumed that jack daniels stole the recipe from his um oh. enslaved person and that was kind of like the the, the assumption everybody um went with so mm-hmm. she wanted to dig into this a little bit deeper and she found out that jack daniels never owned slaves mm-hmm. everybody knew that green was the master distiller and that jack daniels was the apprentice mm-hmm. basically so the story of Nathan Nearest Green 
as much as we know, and we really don't. We know some, but not like the details really that we want to know. So he was born into slavery in Maryland in 1820. He was sold to a farm where he developed an expertise for distilling. Green was rented out by his owners. And this is interesting here. So the people, it was, wasn't people that owned him. It was a company that owned him. And part of that company was called Landis and Green. So he got his surname from the green of this company here. Uh. He was rented out to farmers uh, in Lynchburg, uh, specifically a man named Dan Call, who was a preacher, but also a distiller. And he was also (laughs) very wealthy. He was the angel and the devil Mm. at the same time. He also, so Dan Call had employed a bunch, they called him chore boys, you know, along with these uh, enslaved people. He had a bunch of um, chore boys, and one of them was Jack Daniels, who was there, was a teenager at the time, and it was Dan Call making the whiskey. So Mm. Dan Call was the distiller. He was getting people to come in and help him distill the whiskey that he was making, and he employed Green, who I want to say Green probably had a reputation at that time um, of distilling, so he said, hey, I want you to come over here and I want you to teach this boy, Jack Daniels, how to make whiskey. This was like all before the Civil War. Civil War broke out. After the Civil War was over, uh, emancipation, everybody um, was free and for the most part as free as you can be at that time. Green stayed on and helped Call and Jack Daniels with the whiskey um, operation at the Mm -hmm. time. And it was like, it was a big family. And so that was the thing. Uh, One of the things that Fawn Weaver kept saying during this interview when she was doing all this research about Nearest, she was saying like, you know, a lot of this is not, it was all more about love and honor and, you know, respect in the industry. It was, you know, um, she kept bringing that up, um, which I thought was kind of cool. During like, everything happened pretty fast. Like she came there, she met with somebody, um, she started, you know, asking about Nearest and they're like, hold on, let me make a call because Lynchburg still is pretty, pretty mm-hmm. small. Yeah. And so everybody knows it's everybody. So mm-hmm. they, they made a call. They contact one of the oldest uh, living relatives of mm-hmm. Jack Daniels. And she came in and she was like, well, actually, the property for where for where Dan Call started his distillery is up for sale right now. And she was like, oh, I'd like to kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, yeah, and she's like, this is very interesting to me. Like, I never heard about this. You know, I'm not interested in a book right now. I'm more just like, I need to know more. It was mm-hmm. more, I feel like, a personal interest for her. So uh, she called up her cousin and the cousin of uh, the distant relative of Jack Daniel came and showed her like the farm that was for sale. Pretty much they instantly like bought it. Oh, my God. So found um, Weaver and she was thinking of it as like a historical place where it's like, okay, we can get this on the registry. This can become like a museum. You know, this is a very important part. She's she's like, we need to get this story, whatever the story that I don't know about. I need to find out more about this, this story. And also I can use this kind of as a home base to start researching uh, more about Nearest. They bought this form. She started to collect thousands and thousands of documents and artifacts at this place. And then she started calling Jack Daniels because she wanted to meet with the company and say, hey, you know, this is what I found out. Could you tell me more? What is what 
is going on. And she met with uh, a Mr. McCollum, who was the brand president for Jack Daniels. And it became clear to her that everything that she was learning and digging up about Nearest, they were kind of a little astounded, like they didn't they didn't know oh. uh, kind of stuff. So, you know, everything, everything that the Jack Daniels company was geared towards was more about the origins of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. and the company itself and not so much nearest. Um, and so from that meeting, um, you know, when she was talking about it, he was, you know, they were saying like, well, nearest, a lot of nearest relatives mm-hmm. or descendants still work in the factory yep. with us. And there's actually, um, there's several. She's like, okay, so we know that this happened. And she's talking to this brand manager. She's like, we know this happens. She's like, kind of like putting their foot in the fire a little bit. It's like, what are y'all going to do? How are you mm-hmm. going to let the world know that really the first African-American master distiller was the guy that taught Jack Daniels, who is like one of the most famous well-known oh, yeah. mm-hmm. whiskeys in the world. And so she she met with them and then he, he brought kind of like an outline of how the company would include Green and his contribution to the official history of Jack Daniels, you know, from now on. So they start oh. weaving it into the story, which is where they would uh, Yeah, they did it the, by the time we so went because it was say, there. So this is the reason why it was there when but we went. But they knew, right. like it, it was pretty, I just remember it being apparent that they knew that they had just added it. Like this is something we have realized we right. didn't so recognize. Made, I remember right. that and we know the marketing manager, he was a JSU alumni. Oh, And that's how I know Stone. Yeah, that's mm. how I've been a few times. That's interesting. Yeah, because this is something like she <laughs> yeah. brought, she's like, hey, you know, you know, we recognize and nobody's like claiming any difference. Like it's not somebody going like, oh, no, no, it was all mm-hmm. Jack Daniels kind no. of deal. It's like, no, they were recognizing it. And she's like, well, if y'all are recognizing it, Why it needs to be something? included in yeah. the story. So, you know, that's when they, they talk to um, all the employees and they're like, hey, this is the direction we're going in. It's like, y'all all know it, but now we're going to start including it in the brand mm-hmm. and include it in, you know, they started training the tour guides, the which is, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and that's where y'all came in. And and like I said, it was all about love, honor and respect. Mm-hmm. Nobody was like going, oh, no, you know, we're mm-hmm. not going to do that. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, this this needs to happen mm-hmm. kind of deal. So, you know, we talked about how she bought the farm and while doing all this research, when they bought the farm, she went to the farmhouse or, or the house that the actual chore boys, including Jack Daniels, lived in. She's like, we went upstairs. She's like, and it was like we stepped back in time. She's <sighs> like, they there were so many like artifacts. She's Shut like, up. there were drawings of like Shut the barrels. Up. And she's <gasps> like, all of these things were still <laughs> there. Oh my God. And she's like, it was serendipity. She kept using this word serendipity. She's like, it was amazing. She was like, it, it wasn't like I was there for like, you know, years and years. I stumbled. She's like, I, you know, we went and toured the house that or the farm that we were going to buy. And then it was just there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, somebody has to do something with this. The cousin of the lady from the library. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry, I don't know their names. But she was saying, she was like, look, she's like, are you going to write a book? Are you going to do a movie? You know, what are you, what are you planning to do with this? And she, of course, it's all new. And she's getting hit like with all of these possibilities. Well, she's like, I, I don't really know what the end results, you know, but it's going to be something, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know what that looks like yet. And and so the realtor is like, well, I'm, I'm in retirement. She's like, but I will come out of retirement if you ever want to start a whiskey. Oh, 
because I have been on her name was Sherry Moore. She's like, I have been in the family business for 31 years as like the head of whiskey operations. So you just let me know. (laughs) You know, I mean, what do you say? It's like you hear this thing, you come into it and you're like, I need to know more about this. And then it's like all of these things just start falling falling into place. And she's like, "Okay, damn it. That's what I want happen to me. (laughs) Like when I went to Jack Daniels the first time, I was like, I want to work here (laughs) because it did have that feeling. It really did. To me, yeah. people seem to really lo- love working there. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. They really did. And I was like, damn it. This is what I want to do. I'm leaving <laughs> education. Bye. I'm right. going to whiskey. <laughs> so she was so she was thinking about this and she was uh, educated a different way. <laughs> no joke. Right? Yeah, we're still open to that. Exactly. Jack, Jack Daniels, nearest. You know, we're here for you. <laughs> So she was thinking, okay, that's kind of a new angle. She was she was totally not thinking about she's because she knows nothing about whiskey, mm-hmm. you know. So she starts thinking like, well, how can this? Maybe we do need to like do like commemorative, like one bottle, mm-hmm. one bottle, and they just have like a big, yeah, that'd be fun to do mm-hmm. thing about it. But then she started like learning because she's like a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. It's like she is she is in it. It's like you were talking about, like you are all in it. Like she is mm-hmm. all in it. It was mm-hmm. like. This needs to happen. This is like right now my life's goal of like promoting him. How does this happen? And she's like, okay, maybe maybe 500 bottles of commemorative whiskey. And she was talking about the process. And as she learned the process, she's like, you know, 30% of the U.S. is white male. And you look at a bar at their whiskeys and 100% of the whiskeys are white male. Mm-hmm. 30% is white male? 30% huh. of the country is white male and then really? 100% of the whiskeys we should yeah, just them easily I was just <laughs> like wait what wait <laughs> She didn't have that backwards. So, 100% of the whiskey is so white male. Bigger, right? And 30% of the whiskey is white male. Like, no, 100% of the whiskey is white male. I know. Yeah. I'm going to put a link to this interview with her. It's like an hour and 17 minutes. Oh, wow. And it's really, it's really good. And you can just hear her energy um, for all of this. So, you know, she does her research. She gets um, with Sherry and they start this thing. And... Um, she talked to, well, actually, she talks to the descendants, and this is really kind of what hones it in because she doesn't want to do anything without the approval. Mm-hmm. She's like, of um, nearest descendants, she's like, How do you feel? What do you feel like needs to happen to best honor your descendant mm-hmm. here? And they're like, Whiskey, <laughs> we need to have a, a whiskey brand named after him. I mean, it's a big fucking duh, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, Okay, 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 having an independent startup whiskey get into the business this way is nearly it's like you're set up for failure Mm. she's like there's just just no way and she was talking about like the money that in order to like do all this that she had like she had to raise like 60 million dollars i knew it was a lot i kept thinking like yeah this whole story i'm like where did she get the money because like you don't just set up the copper pot and you know go out in the woods and get the water from the spring and do this right this is another level yeah Mm. it's a whole new level so she (laughs) 60 million yeah to set up yeah yeah, to set up the business and the distillery damn and so you know she talks to the descendants she's like she's done like money raising before in the past but like anybody that has ever raised money you're just like fuck yeah I bet you know but on that scale but she's such a go-getter right go fund me so 
so she's like, okay, so this is, we're going to try it. We're going to try to do this. She had her, her group of executive women and everything. And she approached Jack Daniels because mm-hmm. she's basically setting herself up to be a competitor. Mm-hmm. And so she says, hey, she's like, look, and she's like, I'm not like full transparency. This is what I want to do. This is what I think needs to happen. I wanted to tell you first, but she said, oh, and by the way, I've already trademarked his name mm-hmm. so that they, yeah. and she blindsided them. Oh, shit. She said that. Well, she had to she because had to. She has to. Just, I mean, they're as mu- as, enormous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enormous. And the it's number not the one. Jack Daniels family. This no. is a conglomeration yeah. no. that right. she's dealing with. Yeah. Now. Jack Daniels didn't have any kids, by the way. Oh, interesting. Uh-uh. This, his descendants are only his family. His, yeah, his nephews. Nephews. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lynn Motlow was like one of the first distillers after him. Nice. She and, knows all the things. Well, I just I remember Motlow. Motlow's very big name, and it's, and that's why it doesn't match. There's no more Daniel right. after him because he doesn't have any kids. Mm. Right. So she already bought all the trademarks, and she was so like, smart. She's, mm-hmm. oh, she is such a firecracker, man. It's so intelligent. And so she's like, okay, how do we make this happen so it benefits both of us? It's like, because we don't mm-hmm. need to, like, this doesn't need to be like a war. And because Jack Daniel and, you know, Nearest Green, they they loved each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was it was a mentor mentee love and respect and they worked side by side together. And so they decided that basically what they would do is Jack Daniel would just tell the story of Nearest Green and Nearest Green would just exist but not mention Jack Daniel. Yeah. Mm. They would tell you know, and the only way that they'd mention Jack Daniel would be kind of off. Is that because they did Jack Daniel didn't want them to? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. because they didn't want they, they didn't want trademark infringement it's funny mm-hmm. because you we went to George Dickel at mm-hmm. the same time we went to Jack Daniel and they would never say the name mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They and that's sa- intentional I know they said the big you know yes the big guy up the street yeah the big mm-hmm. man up the street right you think everybody thinks they're so good but try our <laughs> so they oh, got the hot Dickel hot Dickel <laughs> go ahead sorry no you're fine just, no this I, is great because I absolutely I, Love this. Because I'm, I'm thinking, stuff. like, why? I mean, well, you wouldn't want trademark infringement, but it's also like, what the hell? I mean, how, what has Jack got to lose? They've got the chokehold like, in the everything. whole yeah. world. Yeah. They are the number one whiskey in the world, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's basically, she's like, I want, like, I want to build up these legacies mm-hmm. or the legacy of this one person without tearing the other person right. down. There's, no, there's need. no need to, yeah. because yeah. that's not that how they're <laughs> She had more than sixteen billion yeah. dollars to yeah. do it. Oh no, for sure. And she's like, and they could have crushed me. And that's what she, right. she said. She's like, it could have gone. That meeting could have gone so. Oh, that's how it felt when we got the tour. Mm, I like that all this aligns mm. with like how I felt when we did that first tour mm. or that second tour. I got. So I think they that, were they were okay with this. No, whole. they were okay with it. You know, of course, I'm sure there's like a a a very fine tuned legal document. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Says, like, I kind 
I thought you were going to say they wanted to do a line. Like they do like special like Sinatra select and barrel select mm-hmm. and all this. So I thought they, they probably tried. Yeah. <laughs> but she was like, no, nah, I got this trademark. Well, I was going to say, she, she beat them to it. Yeah. But also, I mean, the Daniel family is still in it and they don't want nearest green's name to be forgotten yeah they are you know yeah i kind of wondered that biggest supporter it kind of yeah. felt like though i mean i probably like she said one bottle or get one line out i would have the easier route mm-hmm. while she did a great thing would be let's just get in with jack and start a nearest green line yeah. and i get whatever profit from that we make it anyway but you know what it's interesting because when you started this you talked about like well we don't we didn't say anything about it because we didn't want it to seem like we were exploiting the name of this yeah. person and, and if they had done that that, mm-hmm. they probably would have gotten that blowback. Yeah, yeah. true. So. And they, honestly, they would have been exploring the name of this person. Yeah. yeah. So this is, I, I think it was very smart on both yeah. parts. I think they did this exactly how it needed to be done. Uh, the whiskey. Yeah, like, here's all the white guys getting on the train of like, right. let's, uh, let's so, support this female entrepreneur yeah, supporting this yeah. historically powerful, exactly. like, yes. legacy. Yes, absolutely. So that's, you know, that's what they did. They, she, you know, she got, she got the recipe, uh, it is not produced like it's not distilled at the um, Jack Daniel distillery. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a private distillery. Some, they use somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. It really like they don't really cross paths anyway. And the, she got the recipe from Jack, though. I don't. She got the recipe probably from, um, from the family, the, from the family. Yeah. So I'm sure it's changed some because it, it tastes yeah. different. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. A, definitely better than Black Jack. Yeah, I think right. <laughs> but single barrel, we get a single barrel rye we can talk but like this is definitely better than blackjack <laughs> right no absolutely and and she was talking about they were talking about like tennessee whiskey and how it's different mm-hmm. and that you know straight mm-hmm. bourbon is like this is made from grains um which makes it different in tennessee and how like the tennessee is is different because they use grains instead of like the kentucky which i don't know like i'm you use I'm, more corn and whiskey for one yeah for the sour uh, but she said that this process came over, you know, with the enslaved people because they used uh, the differences. They use a sugar maple charcoal filtration, mm-hmm. and that's what makes mm-hmm. the greens different. It's so cool to watch them make that charcoal too. They make it. Yeah, they burn these big pyres of just interlaced wood that's sugar maple, like just oh. burn it under this giant. And they have to pavilion. be. Do- and I was like, and they they, have what's to sit and watch it burn here because, yeah. like, they they, they have sh- to keep on using it, yeah. right? They have to keep on making more. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. real cool. Yeah, I would love to go on that tour. I think Courtney might be convinced to go back. <laughs> you think? I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I'm getting really excited. Her arm a Don't maybe bring my Tennessee Squire card out. <laughs> so, Fawn Weaver mentioned, like, you know, she wants Jack Daniel to be, you know, he passed away like in 1910, and we still talk about him like he's still alive. Mm. And she wants, like, she wants Nearest Green to be talked the about the same yeah. way. That's mm-hmm. her goal. Like, she's like, when I die, she's like, this is, she's, we spent all this money, $60 million. We've got it. We're actually in the black right now. But we, she's like, my goal is still to make it just as much of a household name for generations to come. So it'll be like Johnny Walker, Jim Bean, Jack Daniel, and Ernest Green. Mm -hmm. Nearest. Yes. Uncle. Sorry. Uncle. Sorry. (laughs) Nearest. I say (laughs) Ernest Green. Uncle Nearest. (laughs) Uncle Nearest Green. And that's my story. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> you know, it's not, cool. it's, it's the marketing too. It really is. And they talk about that too. Like there are so oh, yeah. many 
that you just don't know the name like you know Jack. Oh, and oh, that is attributed a lot to marketing. Well, now because it's all still made there. Story. Oh, it's yeah. still made there. Oh, they yeah. make for the whole world. For it's whole made world. in that tiny little town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I mean, that um they've bomb. kept that and they, I don't know you, you would think that town would have grown and like but it's still like a very family feel. Right. Like it's just it's it's a huge distillery but it's all made in the same place. They don't outsource it. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just right here on this one little piece of property in Tennessee nowhere. That's that's just amazing. And there's nothing around it. Like right. there's nothing. Well, and they can't drink. There's a dry county if you don't know that. It's a dry county. It's fuckity fuck. Crazy. Well, you can buy a bottle though when you go. She, it she, just happens to have whiskey in it but well, you're buying the bottle. because they mm-hmm. have special permissions yeah. to sell there and they're the only ones in the county that are like What does she do? Able to sell. So she because um, she's still in the county of Lynchburg or uh, it's not I Lynchburg believe... County it's uh, the different county yes I don't know what the county name is I no forgot. she's there and that's where they produce it's, it from um, uh, she uses a lot of the money that they make from the whiskey to put uh, nearest descendants through college yeah no shit so a lot of it's you know to really support the family that's they amazing. do the same thing at Jack Daniels yeah they support the people do you remember that story too they did the same thing things. well they do the same thing right they do that for um their employees kids mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah. she's still there she's still making it we drank it tonight yeah it's and really it was really good and it was really good and so now y'all know the name nearest 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 green, green. not Ernest green i don't know i nearest. was thinking who is Ernest? Ernest <laughs> i think that the, might be someone Ernest green uncle yeah, nearest 1856 yep. go get and you some go get you some i bought mine at costco it's does I, they don't sell it everywhere. No. So you have to like find who sells it. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough. They also had Dread River at Costco. Oh, really? Bur- okay. You were in Birmingham, Costco? Yeah. 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 So that was the Birmingham distillery. Yeah, Why cool. don't we sell ads? We should sell ads. Really sell ads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ma'am. We're ready to support Uncle Nearest. <laughs> Come to us. Come to us. Big now. whiskey fans over here. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do Uncle Nearest for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I just thought that was so cool. And it's so new. I mean, she's only been in the whiskey business for like five years. I know. 16 well, or 17. The yeah. story, I was thinking like it was it was older. And then you said like no. 2003. And I was like, the fuck? No, <laughs> she, but it started in 2016. And mm-hmm. she, she didn't probably start like actually doing the whiskey till like 17 or 18. Man. So like literally. I know when I saw the bottle, I said, I've actually had time so, to age. No, and that's what she was saying. She's like, like we don't sip. have any aged whiskey because we're not that old yet. Yeah. yeah. Another interesting thing that she said, I was like, uh-huh, I know exactly how you feel, is because, like, she is a woman and all of her her executives are women. Yeah, when they were, like, trying to get their stuff distributed and they would call them, she's like, none of the fucking distributors would call her back. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. She's like, so she called her husband and she's like, look, I got a hunch. Let's just let's oh, try this. Oh, she pulled the car dealer trick. So she's mm-hmm. like, would you uh, mind calling this list of people and she said they fucking called him mm. either they either took his call right then or god they called damn. him back the end of the day oh my god and I was like fucking yes the struggle I'm, is real the people. struggle is still it doesn't fucking matter who you are so I have a story about whiskey and women whiskey women do you want to tell it now or do you want to wait we'll till save after it talk. for the after talk yes. I was approached by someone at a bar one time by, by Jack Daniels and mm. you were approached by Jack Daniels by Jack Daniels distributor. Oh, I see, I see. A Jack Daniels representative. I don't know. She was someone that goes out and does like the merch.
merchandising for bars and bring stuff out. Um, did she, she saw, ask you to be she the saw face me of drink, Jack Daniels? She did. She <laughs> oh saw me. She, no, she saw me drinking whiskey and said that they were doing. They were trying to get like more women's perspective because women whiskey drinkers were like it's a thing. The demographic yeah. that they were trying to reach. It's a thing and that nobody wants to talk about. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I'm thinking like, yeah, it's just it's it's white men. Mm-hmm. But like it's like but that, this was probably around the same time it was probably around 16 or 17 when that happened it was in atlanta what did you say well i said yes hold on hold on on, stop thank y'all so much for listening if you want to hear more about this story (laughs) get this tea (laughs) join us over at the strange south patreon three dollars or more or more yes (laughs) if you join for fifteen dollars you get a t-shirt for free Mm -hmm. so you know come join us at the patreon it is such a bargain yeah and we will talk to you later. Bye. We appreciate Bye. you. Bye.